0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I want you to turn with me in your Bible to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and go to the third chapter Second Timothy chapter three, Amen. Does everybody love the Word of God today? Amen. Verse sixteen says, "All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine." That word "doctrine" is all in the original Greek is also translated teaching. So when you see the word "doctrine," it's not talking about uh, some kind of uh, church dogmats, just talking about Bible teaching. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God, and that would apply to the woman of God, to the person of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do you want to be complete? Do you want to be thoroughly equipped? For every good work, well, this is the this is the source right here. God's word is profitable, amen. Glory to God. The Lord said something to me last night that I had never considered before. He just spoke it to me, and uh, and well, let's let's read the the two passages, and then you'll you'll see what I'm talking about. Go to uh, Philippians chapter four. These are verses that we've been looking at, studying. God's plan for prosperity in our lives. And verse number 19 is one of the verses of scripture that that, uh, believers look to and quote and believe in a lot. Verse 19 says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now here's the thing. Notice it said, My God shall supply all your need go back over to second Corinthians where we've also been studying and let's look in the ninth chapter the verse we just I just quoted over the offering goes like this and God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency, in all things may have an abundance for every good work. The Holy Spirit said to me, he said, notice that in Philippians chapter four, he I said, and God shall. But in Second Corinthians chapter nine, he said, and God is able. Yeah. I never noticed that before. One place he said, and God shall. And the other place he said, God is able. He didn't say God shall. He said God is able. What's the difference between the two passages? If you, uh, and, and we'll look at uh, some other scriptures in the New Testament, but if you go back over to Philippians, you'll notice something here that happened before God said, I shall. Verse 13 says, Paul's writing, and he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid, that's financial support, once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. He said that that they had lacked opportunity. And then he said, I'm thankful that once again, uh, your giving has returned. Notice they gave and then God said, I shall supply through the apostle Paul because they had given. He said, my God shall supply. Well, if you go back to second Corinthians chapter nine, the reason he didn't say, and my God shall make all grace. The reason he said, God is able to make all grace. Now we know and I've said this many times and it bears repeating. Anytime the Bible shows us what God is able to do, you know that's what He wants to do. Because if He's if if God if the word boasts of God's ability and yet God's not willing to do it, then then uh He's pulling a sucker punch. Isn't that right? No, if God says I'm able to do something, it's because he wants us to believe that he's able and to believe him for it. He wants to do what he says he's able to do. But if you go back and read the chapter, uh, and I think it, would, it wouldn't take but about three, four minutes to read this uh, eighth and ninth chapter. And, uh, and, and to give you the background, the church there in Corinth had a desire a year before this epistle was written there, uh, the churches in, in uh, Jerusalem were undergoing some difficult times. There was a lot of persecution going on in Jerusalem. And so it came into the heart of the church at Corinth to send an offering to raise funds. And, and, and they wanted some time to do it because they wanted, they wanted it to be a, a big offering. And he describes it as a lavish offering. Well, you know, if, you're gonna, if, I, if I told the church, we want to take up a lavish offering, well, then I'd give you some time. Isn't that right? Well, they wanted to do this, but a year had passed, and it hadn't happened. Actually, other churches had heard about what the Corinthians wanted to do, and they actually had been encouraged and inspired by that, and they had actually done it. So that's the setting here. Let's read starting in chapter 8. of the ministering to the saints. as the saints in Jerusalem. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in all diligence, And in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. Notice that he commends the church in Corinth. He said, you abound in everything. You're full of faith. You abound in speech and knowledge. I take that to mean to referring to the utterance gifts and the revelation gifts of the spirit. Because he had mentioned that in 1 Corinthians. And in all diligence, because he had written some instructions to them about handling some uh, uh, situations in their church and he had written back to them that they had been very diligent in obeying him. So there was a lot of good things going on in this church. And he said, "And and in your love for us, that you abound in that as well. See that you abound in this grace also, this grace of giving. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And in this I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you must also complete the doing of it. Listen, if God lays something on your heart, follow through with it. Amen. God responds to the desire of your heart and your willingness but he responds to the doing as well. He said, uh, "So there, He said, uh, so, but now you must complete the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack, that their abundance also may supply your lack, that there may be an equality. As it is written, he has gathered much. He who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. But thanks be to God who put the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. For he not only accepted the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you of his own accord. And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. And not only that, but who was also chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift, which is administered by us to the glory of the Lord himself and to show your ready mind, avoiding this that anyone should blame us in this lavish gift, which is administered by us. Paul is anticipating a lavish gift from the Corinthians. He said, providing things honorable, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. He said, that's why we sent uh, 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 Titus and this other brother, and they're going to go with us, he said, then back to Jerusalem. Because, you know, when you're carrying money, you want to have accountability, So nobody can say, well, you know, Paul took some, skimmed some money off the top. He said, providing honorable things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. And we have sent with them our brother. So this is the the second brother besides Titus. We have sent with them our brother, whom we have often proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent because of the great confidence which we have in you. If anyone inquires about Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker concerning you. Or if our brethren are inquired about, they are the messengers, actually literally says the apostles of the churches, the glory of Christ. Therefore show to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. Now concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know your willingness about which I boast of you to all the Macedonians that Achaia, that's where Corinthian was, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. Yet have I have sent the brethren, lest my boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that as I said, you may be ready, lest if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand that, which you had promi- previously promised that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as an, a grudging obligation. He's saying, I'm sending Timothy and these other two brethren, these other two apostles with him so that you can prepare this offering before I get here. He said, Lest I get there and you not be prepared. Now, I don't know the time frame of how much time passed between Titus and these two brethren getting there and Paul getting there, but he said, They already had a year. And he said, Now I'm sending these other two men ahead of me to gather this offering so that you're not embarrassed and I'm not ashamed. Of my confidence, because I've told everybody all over the all over the Greek speaking world about what the Corinthians have wanted to do, and it stirred up all these churches and all these other regions. And so uh, he said, uh, uh, "I've sent these men ahead of ahead of time so that you can get this together." You know, I, I've had people in the past tell me, "You know, Pastor, I just, you know, I, I'm just believing God. One day, you know, I'm believing God." that I'm going to, I believe I'm going to come into a lot of, I've had people say that to me, I've had, I'm going to come into a lot of money, I believe in God for, you know, for, for something to really happen. And, and when it happens, I, I just want to be a great blessing. Just want to be a great blessing to God. I've noticed that unless people give, that big break never happens. Because God takes it from what you have, not what you don't have. He said, I'm not, I'm not interested in in other people, uh, you being burdened and other people being relieved. He said, there needs to be an equality as every person has the ability. Now, the Macedonians, he said, went beyond their ability. And sometimes the spirit of God will lead you to go beyond your ability. Well, if he does so, that's great. But but we ought to start where we are and be generous but the Corinthians hadn't followed through with that. They had the desire, but they hadn't followed through. That's why he said, "And God is able. God's able to do it." But why hasn't He done? Why didn't Paul said, "In God, my God shall cause all grace," because He was waiting on them. Now there is a a uh, a, a, a prevailing uh, opinion today. In, uh, the, in the extreme grace camp, and it goes like this, that anything that Jesus has purchased for you in redemption, anything that belongs to you, whether it's your healing, victory, uh, authority, you know, uh, prosperity, anything that has been accomplished in Christ, there is nothing else for you to do Because it's all the grace of God. God in his grace has prospered you. He has healed you. He has blessed you. He has uh, uh, given you wisdom and victory. All of the things that are yours in Christ, they are yours and there's nothing you can do to earn those things or to cause those things to come. That is not true. That is not a true statement. Everything that God has made available in Christ he has made available, but you still have some acts of faith that you do in order to cause those things to flow and and, and when you and when I declare things like that or pre- preachers like me say things like that, we are classified as preaching law but i I pointed out not long ago that there, there's not one example in the New Testament, in the epistles, I'm talking about because Jesus talked about the law. There's not one example in the Acts of the Apostle and in the epistles or the book of Revelation. There's not one occurrence, there's not one reference to the law other than there's some references to natural law. But I'm, when I'm talking about the law of God, there's not one reference in the New Testament that was written to the church where the law means anything other than the law of Moses. Because what's happening today, people say, well, if, if, you, if you tell believers they need to do this or they need to do that, you know, and one thing they point out is Giving. You know if you if you if you preach in your church that that uh, you have to give an offering, you know, for God to, to to bless you, then that's you're putting people up back under the law. That's not that's not true. In fact, the Lord bro- brought this to my attention. There are seven references in the New Testament of there are seven scriptures that talk about the blessing of prosperity. Most of the prosperity verses are in the Old Testament. Say, so, well, then that does that mean something? No. It just means that that's where God was establishing that prosperity belongs to the people of God. The New Testament was written with the understanding of the old. But in the New Testament, there are seven references to God's promise of prosperity to bless you uh, financially. And all of them except two specifically show you giving something and you receiving something. One of them doesn't explicitly say it, but it implies it, and the other one is neutral on it. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Now, I said 7 because I'm not, you know, in, in this, what we're going to read in, Uh, excuse me, excuse me, that's what I'm about to say referred to the next one. I I wrote my notes a little backwards here. We'll read Matthew 6 first. In Matthew 6, Jesus said, therefore, verse 25, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to a stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Notice, he's not directly saying he will clothe you. He's saying, how much more will he not clothe you? He's presenting a hypothetical. Okay, he's showing that God loves you more than he loves the birds and the flowers. And he said all this so that we would not worry about things he said, therefore do not worry saying what shall we eat what shall we drink what shall we wear where shall we live what shall we drive all of those things he said for all after all these things the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows you need all these things now here's the thing but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you notice he said, God, he's telling us how abundantly God will provide. How, that's why he said, will he not much more clothe you? Will he not much more feed you? Will he not much more provide for you? But notice it comes when we put God first. Seek first the kingdom of, which one is first? Which one is first, him providing or us seeking Him. Notice something comes before all these things being added to you. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Well, he doesn't directly mention giving, but you could not honestly say that that you seek the kingdom of God first and foremost in your life. If you're not supporting the kingdom of God. There's no way you can say that. Seeking first the kingdom of God means supporting the kingdom of God. Isn't that right? He said do that first. It's not just talking about financial support. But it's talking about everything having to do with the, with the things of God. The kingdom of God. The work of God. The goodness and righteousness of God. He said seek God first. Put him First. Well, if you put him first, then he said all these things will be added. Do you see there's an exchange? Yeah. Now, what I, the scripture I was about to refer to, go with me over to Mark. In Mark's gospel, the 10th chapter, and I said there were seven references, really there are nine, but this reference in Mark is repeated in Matthew and in Luke as well, the same story. So you could say nine or you could say seven because this one, like I said, is repeated two different times. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus said in verse 29, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brethren or sisters or fathers or mothers or wife or children or lands, that would be properties, for my sake in the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters with mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Notice, it's, it's when you leave something, the leaving comes before the receiving. He said, no one who leaves these things will do so without receiving a hundred times more. So again, The the leaving comes before the receiving. A lot of people want to put, reverse that. They want to say, you know, if you'll give to me, God, if you'll make me rich, if you'll just prosper me and make me rich, I'll be a blessing. God's saying, be a blessing now and I'll make you rich. Amen. Amen. So so notice, that's another verse. Uh, Go to Mark, uh, or to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Verse 38 says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom for with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. The new century version says, give and you will receive. You will be given much. It will be poured into your hands more than you can hold you will be given so much that it will spill into your lap. The Barclay translation says, be generous and you will find others generous to you. (laughs) Good measure, close packed, shaken down and brimming over will be poured into your lap. Living Bible says, for if you give, you will get. Somebody said, I don't believe in giving to get. Well, what did Jesus say? Give, and it shall be given unto you. I don't. That's not the primary motive. It should not be the primary motive. We should give because we want to be a blessing. But on the other hand, I expect to get. Amen. He said, "For if you give, you will get. Your gift will return to you in full and overflowing measure, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, and running over." Now, here's the uh, the uh, same thing that he says in 2nd in Corinthians whatever measure you use to give large or small will be used to measure what is given back to you whatever measure you use to give large or small will be used to measure what is given back to you now go over and then to 2nd Corinthians chapter 9 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now notice again, we just read from Luke that receiving comes after giving. 2 Corinthians 9, verse number 6. But I say, now he's talking to them about this offering that, he, uh, that they had pledged but they hadn't followed up on. He said, I'm sending Titus and these other uh, men to prepare uh, this lavish gift He said, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. That's exactly what Jesus said. Whatever measure you use to give, large or small, will be used to measure what is given back to you. He said, uh, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully or generously will reap bountifully or generously. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to make. See, he's, he's able, he's waiting on them. Do you see that? God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, now notice verse 10. This is a, he is speaking a Blessing. I looked at a at a lot of translations last night and they're about evenly split. Half of the translations the more the the less literal translations, you know, there's there's different translations. I've studied translations for years and some translations stick to a strict excuse me, a strict literal translation as close to a word for word as possible. They just translate it literally the way it said without Flowering or without adding any or embellishing it, other translations—they're—they're they're good translations. But other translations—they're—they uh, have a good valid point in saying, "Well, the Greek is so full of nuance that in order to fully explain a Greek word, we have to say several words, and so that brings out the richest." For instance, the Amplified translation, uh. Other translations move even farther, way over, like the Message Bible, and they are strictly uh, uh, paraphrases, and they put thoughts and ideas and words in there that's not even in the text, you know, to sort of illustrate. So you just have to understand what you're reading. I've noticed, I said uh, that last night, I looked at a bunch of translations. The ones that are in the more strict literal translations, like the King James, has, in this verse number 10, Paul is not making a direct promise. He's speaking a blessing to them. And he says, now may he, do you see that? May he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply. God supplies seed to us and bread for food He's saying here, now may this one who does this supply and multiply the seeds you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. The reason he said it this way is because they hadn't sown it yet. He couldn't pronounce the the, uh, assurance that God has done it because they hadn't done their part. So he's saying, may God supply and multiply. Now other translations just say, and God will supply. And they bring it more in more a direct uh, fashion. Those translations tend to be the ones that are a little less literal. I'm not saying they're not valid. They're, they're good translations. He's saying God may supply. May he supply. I'm, 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 I'm speaking a blessing, almost a prayer. May God supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all generosity. That's what God wants. That's why I said that's what God wants. Amen. See, we're we're reading all these verses, I know we've read them before, but there's this idea, like I said, in 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 these uh, in this false doctrine today, and it says that there's nothing you can do that you as a believer, prosperity is your just claim it. Because Jesus died, he was made uh, poor, that you would might be made rich, and so everything belongs to you. Well, it does belong to us, but it comes in response to giving. And that giving is not the law of Moses. It has nothing to do with the Old Testament law. It's New Testament principles. Amen. Look at uh, Galatians chapter five. Galatians five. Do, Do you appreciate the fact that all of God's word is inspired of God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction? This corrected some thinking even in my Mind, clarified some things when the Lord showed me this. Verse number six, Galatians five says, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches him. What did I say? Oh, I'm sorry, that's chapter six. Chapter six, verse six. Praise the Lord. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. He's just simply saying that whoever ministers the word of God to you, he said you should share with them in all good things, everything that God's blessed you with. Uh, He said over in in, in, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, or 1 Corinthians 9 maybe, uh, somewhere in Corinthians, (laughs) it's over there, you can look it up. He said, if if we have sown spiritual things to you, is it not appropriate that you share natural things with us? That's all he's saying. Let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. Now, he's talking about money. He's talking about giving, isn't he? Is he talking about giving, sharing, and all good things? Now, it's true that in Bible times, they they weren't as uh, uh, a currency-driven economy as ours was Uh, they had money and and so forth but they had a lot of goods a lot of times so they didn't just give money but they gave of their natural goods so it would be the equivalent today of, of just giving offerings do not be deceived God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap so notice receiving is dependent upon giving whatever a man sows that he shall also reap and he's talking about giving money For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Now we take that verse out of its context a lot of times just to apply to sowing to the flesh in general. And and it's one of those verses that it it can apply to a lot of different things. But here in the context, he's actually talking about uh, in the context of giving and supporting ministries. He who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. Well, what would sowing to the flesh be? Keeping it for yourself. Steve's over there grinning, he knows exactly what it means. And, and see that 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 teaching that says there's nothing we do. Everything is the grace of God. We don't do anything to Get God to move on our behalf because anything, I heard one famous, very famous preacher, well-known preacher say, if you do any, if you make any action, do anything, and God then in turn responds to that, that's law. It is not. It's sowing and reaping. And, And I've got personal friends who have fallen in that I've known for years that have fallen into this teaching. And they challenge offerings all the time. You know, on just social media. I, I, I sp- spar with them a little bit, you know. Uh, and, and they talk about, well, you know, uh, doesn't, is, isn't, doesn't prosperity belong to us? Then why, why do we have to bring an offering? And, and uh, how many of you know that's sowing to the flesh? That panders to the flesh, doesn't it? I, I don't have to give in an offering, my flesh said. <laughs> Spirit men didn't say that. Holy Ghost didn't prompt you to say, that's right, you don't have to give anything. That was the flesh. He who sows to the flesh will reap corruption. I tell you what, to, to take the seed, remember the seed and feed program? God gives seed to the sower and bread for who? He gives seed first. If you turn that seed, what God has given you to sow, if you take that and, and consume it yourself and make it feed, make it food, it'll turn to corruption. You ever eaten some, you ever eaten any food that it just went right to your waist? <laughs> Say, no, pastor, get off of this. And you know when you ate it, this is not going to do me any good at all. This is going to, this is not going to be profitable. Well, when you sow to the flesh in this this area that we're talking about, it tends to corruption. You will reap corruption from that. You think you're going to save yourself some extra income. It will be corruption filled. It'll spoil on you. It'll go bad on you. Yeah, it'll go bad on you. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap life after everlasting. Now to be to make sure that he's still talking about the same thing, he hasn't changed subjects. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap well, reap, what he's talking about is seven, verse seven, sowing and reaping. Let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Listen, I'll be the first to admit that when it comes to giving and receiving, you can grow weary. You can be tempted to, to say, this is not profiting me anything. Because remember, prosperity is progressive. Says that Isaac began to prosper. He continued prospering till he became very prosperous. And when you're, when you're stepping out in faith like this, it doesn't matter on what level you're at. It's there's always a time involved, a time frame where you give and it looks like it just went away. But it's got life in it. It's got life in it. I said, that giving's got life in it. It'll come back, but in the meantime, you can grow weary. He said, do not grow weary doing good. Well, do what's doing good? Well, giving is doing good. Yeah, it applies to other things. Don't grow, don't grow weary in any kind of good thing that you're doing. But in this context here, do not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Don't lose heart. Whatever you've sown in faith, keep your faith out there. Just keep your faith applied. Keep thanking God. Keep believing God. My God. You can quote 419 because you've given. My God shall supply all my need. Abundantly supply. Filled to the full. Liberally supply. My every need according to his riches and glory. Then he said in verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. I'm going to jump way ahead of myself when I, I'll talk more about this a little bit later, but uh, I talk sometimes about, you know, being ready to give and I like to just keep some cash on hand, you know, just a few hundred dollars. I just like to have it all the time. So that when the Lord prompts me to help somebody, uh, I can do it. Now, like I said, I don't get up in the morning. Oh, Lord, show me who to give $100 to. Because the enemy will take advantage of that. He'll start putting thoughts into your mind. Go give this person, give that person. A lot of times they're, they're not candidates. They're just going to, you know, God's not moving in their life. They're, that's not the Holy Ghost. They're just going to go out and you know and throw it away. They'll be led by the Spirit. So because of that, I'll go weeks and weeks. I don't don't get up and I don't pray about, Lord, show me somebody to give to. I made one prayer, and every now and then I remind him, Lord, this money in my pocket, it's yours. Do whatever you want me to do with it. But then I don't think about it anymore unless the Lord prompts me. But when it comes to giving to the poor, I like to say it like this, giving to those in need. Poor person's in need. But notice he said, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, you can can analyze it any way you want to, but I've noticed that I am more led of the Holy Ghost to give to people who are of the household of faith than I am those who are not in the household of faith. Not all the time. He didn't say don't do it. He said just especially. Let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Because those who are in the household of faith are the ones that are believing God. Amen. And I don't care if somebody's a millionaire or a multimillionaire. If they're believing God, their faith is just, just deserves to be uh, rewarded just as much as a person doesn't have a job. Well, I'm not gonna give anything to that person. He's got all this money. Well, that doesn't have anything to do with it. If they're believing God, God's gonna move on somebody. And and who's to say it's not you? Amen. So I don't look at a person's financial situation. I just I've just learned to follow my heart. And when the Lord prompts me to to do something to somebody, I know I'm sowing to the spirit. I'm sowing to the spirit. So this applies to offerings at church, but it applies to giving anywhere. Be generous in your giving. I, I share that a lot, but it's just something that the Lord has has. Uh, stirred me up in in the last couple of years. Uh, be generous and be prompt in your giving, amen? Let's quickly read, uh, we've already read uh, uh, Philippians chapter 4. Now, I'll just read this, 1 Timothy six seventeen. Now, this one, and this is the one that, uh, there, there's not any statement about giving and receiving. It's just kind of a general statement. Commit, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So there's not any statement in there about giving and receiving, but there's nothing to, to uh, uh, disavow any of the other scriptures either. And then, of course, 3 John 2, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, Notice just as your soul prospers. So even here in this passage, it's as we prosper in other things, in the things of God. This would correspond to seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Amen? So I wanted you to see that uh, on one hand, God shall supply. If you have done what you've been led to do, well, I wasn't led to do anything. You need to check again. Now, remember, it's proportional to what people have. And, and, and that rule of generosity applies to everybody. According to what you have and be generous. Like I've said before, generosity, what, what is generous from one person would, would be stingy from somebody else. What is, a, what is a generous and liberal offering in size of one individual would be stingy and small for somebody else. So it's according to what you have. But he said, if you if once you give, God will supply then your every need. But until you act, he's saying God is able. Why is he saying God is able? He's wanting to, and that scripture is a motivator. I mean, that's about as a motivating a scripture as I've read when it comes to, to, to prosperity. God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing. Think about that. Every favor, every earthly blessing come to you in abundance that you may always, under all circumstances, whatever the need, Doug Brown, Lori Brown, be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no help from anybody and overflowing in abundance. Glory to God that you can just give, Dad. That's a word from the Lord to you. Amen. Get, and anybody else that wants to take hold of it, I'm just saying what the Lord said. Amen. You better, you better stretch out those tents, pigs. Expect more. Praise God. Amen. Amen. And 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 there are more. And I just I saw that, but that's I'll just leave it there. You know who you are. Praise God. I tell you what. The Lord's the Lord's speaking to some people right now. Amen. There's about there's about to come some reward. There's about to come some reward where giving is concerned. Yeah, there is. Come up here. Come up here. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> oh, yeah, abundant. Abundant supply. Glory, 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 glory. <laughs> yeah. It's been a bit of a of a tight road you've remained faithful and steady. <laughs> oh, the reward's gonna be so much more than you've imagined. You're moving to a new place, a higher place, and all that's gone before will disappear. <laughs> It'll just leave your heart and mind, and you'll look back and say, what a wonderful journey of faith and grace and blessing. <laughs> Oh and look at what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Father. <laughs> glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, let's just stand up and praise the Lord. Glory to God. 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 Hallelujah. Hail hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you, Lord. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Now I'm going to tell you something. I could could minister to more people, but then somebody's going to say, you know, pastor's got favorites. But I'm going to tell you something. God has favorites. When it comes to, to giving and receiving, you remember that when Abel gave of the first fruits and of the fat... Of what he had. Cain just gave an offering. He just gave something. But Abel gave the first fruits and of the best that he had. And the Bible says that God respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Somebody said, Well, I I know God loves me. You know, I just do what I can. Yeah, he, he loves you. That doesn't mean he respects you. That doesn't mean he respects how you operate in this realm. He said he respected Abel and didn't respect Cain. Even though Cain had done something, it didn't come from the right heart. Amen. God respects the person whose heart is in it. Amen. Cain just gave something grudgingly. Well, you know, here, I'll just gather some some, uh, vegetables up and bring that, you know. Abel went out and got the best lamb, the firstborn. Then he took the 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 very best cut of meat. You know, if it was a cow, we'd call it the filet mignon. I don't know what the best cut is on a lamb. He took the, I mean the tastiest part, the part you'd really save for your family, you know. The best part. He offered that up to God. God respected Abel in his offering. I, I want God to respect me. Yeah, I'm talking about in this area. I want him to respect my offerings. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching.